The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. This is a CW Spiral, a podcast run by two barchies and a bughead. We're your hosts, Sabrina Reed, Michael Patterson, and Reed Gowden. Bringing you history about the network, the latest news, and in-depth spoiler-filled discussions of some of our favorite shows on the CW. Okay, so there's some interesting news that came out um, in the week, which is that Barron's has been pulled from the schedule, which is being reported as a cancellation. This is an acquisition though, so I'm not really sure if that means that the show itself is canceled or if it just means that if they do have a second season, it will not air on um, the CW. But um, first acquisition out the gate to be next from the, the primetime lineup. That is very interesting. Kind of brutal. I didn't see this coming. Um, I didn't know we were back in the era of if it ain't working it's not going to be airing like that we haven't been in that situation in like a decade yeah and then this is the network that kind of tends to keep the shows on like we know riverdale's ratings are not anything to sing about anymore um but like the fact that it wasn't even given a chance beyond its four episodes I, it's like it's not surprising when you look at the numbers but it is very surprising in the fact that this is one of the big shows the network wanted to start its new era with like i know it's new era doesn't really begin until the fall or the summer schedule kicks off but these shows kind of paved the way for that they were the starting point so the fact that one of them's gone already baron's numbers were not very very good especially when the rising looked like it was doing a solid job we don't know if it'll maintain it but i think it'll at least get a run out of season it's it's still a shock that barons wasn't especially since it's going to be replaced so soon and it's being replaced with nancy they yeah. do reruns of nancy drew season four in the 9 p.m slot on monday starting june 26th which i mean double this of nancy for people that's exciting but also this has had the fandom be like so you canceled us and but you're going to use us for for fill in for the schedule I mean, I mean, it's it a fair pairs, question. And it pairs better with The Rising. Very much so. I'm just, I'm just going to say that. Yeah. Um, there was, it was kind of an unusual disconnect between those two programs, um, Barons and The Rising. But uh, yeah, it's kind of cool for Nancy. Like, Nancy's made quite a comeback in the ratings department, like doing nearly, what, twice of what she was doing at one point. So the fact is that it'll be interesting to see how a rerun of the show does in Barons' thought. I hate to say it, but, like, the bar is quite low. All it needs to do is do better than Barons And... Some of those recent episodes of Barons weren't doing that be- well. So, yay, Nancy. More exposure for Nancy. I hope it does well, and I hope the rerun does well as well. Going out on top. But yeah. also, before we get any ideas, let me just reiterate, Green Table Talk last week, go rewatch that before the Monday <laughs> ratings hit. Because <laughs> what we're not going to do is what we talked about last week. <laughs> yes. Yes, that's for sure. But it is good fuel for the um, hashtag Nancy the movie, hashtag Nace the movie campaign. Mm-hmm. Start the movement. Yes, do that. I it is. I do wonder though, with Barons being pulled, what that means for like the schedule moving forward. Because the summer shows land in July, so does this mean if they're not doing well, we're just going to start pulling shows off air and putting on reruns of shows that 
have either finished their runs. Like we like we series finale, we're done, but we're going to put you on for the summer. And if that's the case, then the fall schedule, a little shaky, a little scary. Yeah. I thought about that too. Yeah. Fall could be uh, a minefield, but that's funny. You say that re-airing shows. Like I feel like in the summer, like back in the day, they used to just re-air most of their like hit shows and mm-hmm. you'd get like a sprinkle of like some fun reality tv but now it's like everybody wants every time slot filled with new content and i'm like w- we could be re-airing all american homecoming which could use like a second exposure linearly not just on netflix like you could use even if no one watches it it still gives people another chance who aren't netflix subscribers to watch all american homecoming like I mean, you have shows that are you're going to air again. I feel like they they overstuffed it. I'm going to say it. I don't think we've said that before. I think they acquired too much. <laughs> yeah, it was a free for all. They were like, you know, we're what was the thing they kept saying? We're open for business, mm-hmm. and like so, it's way all too open. Came. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they were like, should we order this? Yes. <laughs> How many shows? Yes. <laughs> And there's no consistency in the programming. We did say that before. Like if you saw another teen drama, you go, ah, I can get into this. If you saw another superhero drama, you'd go, ah, I can get into this. Every single one of these acquisitions feels completely out of left field, like they're starting from scratch. And when you're doing that with every kind of brand, every kind of show you're, start, you're uh, kicking off, the schedule itself, you set yourself up for that same failure over and over and over again. And yes, there will be varying degrees of it. I think we can call the rising a success since its numbers were at least on par with Nancy. Nancy maintained it, the rising did not, but its numbers are on par with Nancy Gotham Knights. Solid success for an acquisition they didn't have to spend that much money on, but Barron's ain't nobody was watching that. So unfortunately that feels like that has to be written off as a failure. I wonder if, I know they say, I believe that the rest of the episodes will be available to stream on CWTV, but I don't know whether they still have to fulfill the obligation of earning them on TV. But if this does start a trend going forward with some of the other shows, it's going to be a bit of a problem. I think they can maybe get away with it over the summer. Not so sure about once the fall begins. I know. And well, CBS is doing, um, talk about old school. They are actually airing their seasons all the way through on the summer. I believe So Help Me Todd started over again. Fire Country is airing as well. The strategy. Mm-hmm. Also, the optics of pulling a show after four episodes. It's like, who wants to invest their time in a show that will be pooled when this network had a reputation for airing a full episode count, regardless mm-hmm. of ratings? Like, they did away with pulling shows, I want to say. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. They they them. Yeah, they never really pulled them um, again after, like, there were a few like in the early days but like recently you knew like if it started airing you were gonna follow through with it but now it's like who's gonna want to start the show when it can be pulled and you don't know where to find it i don't know yeah because well even when they pulled killer camp what they did was they pulled it because they felt like they made made a mistake airing it in the fall i believe is when they had it so they moved it back to the summer and it aired all the way through on the summer and they and like people i think believe knew that it was going to be coming back uh, but now it's like Barons is Barons coming at all? Is Barons the back again? It's like mm, probably not. But mm. I mean, more more power to the schedule if the schedule stays around. I if there's a wish I had have or if something's gonna be slotted in if they pull more shows, I want them to um, air the Flash season one all the way through. I think that'd be a good idea. And we've seen with Star Girl, we've seen with Superman and Lois, these reruns do quite decent numbers. 
and if they have the rights to them to re-air them again. I think if they could maybe generate half the audience of what a current Flash episode was doing, that would be a huge success because it would still be higher than Barron's. Sorry, I'm going to stop dragging Barron's. It's not its fault. But um, <laughs> uh, like, you know what I mean? I just feel like it's such an unusual time and it, their era isn't off to the strongest of start. We've seen those reports about the Live Golf numbers not being strong. Now we have a show like this feels like an admittance that this wasn't what they wanted. So they're moving it. And the the irony, the imagery and the fact that they're replacing it with an actual CW original, a show that they themselves canceled before that final season even began. The irony is not lost on any of us. Um, are they going to have to go back to that traditional CW back catalog to help them out of a few problems if they keep running into these kinds of problems going forward? Mm, it's a question. Though, before we move on, I do want to reiterate what Reed said. This does not mean mm-hmm. the Save the Show campaigns <laughs> should fire back up. Do like, let yeah. it rest. Move yeah. forward. <laughs> <laughs> but moving into Superman and Lois, uh, we are, it's the penultimate episode. I wanted to get a temperature check on our thoughts for Lex, this iteration of Lex in the, it's not the Arrowverse, uh, the Airverse-adjacent series. Well, I have to say, Lex Luthor is known for his larger-than-life presence, and Michael Cudlitz definitely brought that. You felt the gravity of Lex. I, over the years, we've seen many variations of Lex Luthor. There's campy element, there's whatever that version Jesse Eisenberg was doing in the DCEO, and then, of course, there's the larger-than-life, not-to-be-trifled-with kind of Lex Luthor. Michael Cudlitz is definitely going to be that version of Lex and I feel like that came across really well it was an unusual episode of an introduction and I'm sure we'll get into all of that but I will I would like to say that I felt every bit of the gravity they've built up as far as Lex Luthor goes they've mentioned his name here there they've mentioned that he was in prison they've mentioned that he's the devil I feel like we saw all of that in this episode and that definitely came across for me now I've only seen one version of Lex Luthor in my entire life. (laughs) This was like the polar opposite. (laughs) Not what I was expecting. Um, I don't know if that's good or bad. Still, um, you know, figuring that out. Uh, So I guess indifferent Hmm. currently. Sabrina, how about you? I liked him. I I think, I mean, my issues with the story aside, I thought that Michael Kudlitz's performance, he does give a lot of gravitas to the role. Mm-hmm. It is very, it is very mobster, which is good because we're coming off of Bruno, who also was very mobster businessman, um, like dynamic expression in the in the show. So I just felt like um I didn't need the long walk from him, but I also watched watching the whole episode, I was like, I kinda I feel like this would be controversial, but if he had just had his own episode, if we had a higher episode count, Lex probably would have had an episode to himself with potentially flashbacks of the time when Lois put him in jail with her reporting. It just felt like it was pieced together because they didn't get the episode count they wanted. Like if we had like 15 episodes, he might have gotten a standalone. I think the story would have been helped from that. But I also I did appreciate that he plays the long game. And that was showed in the storyline that he had. I mean, the brutal beating he took because he knew he's like, I'm not, I don't need to actually have power over you by being aggressive towards you myself. I need to get into the office with the warden because mm-hmm. he's the one who has true power. 
And when that was revealed, because I was like, I know he's not just letting himself get clocked like this just because like there has to be a reason. And when they revealed the reason, I was like, oh, those inmates' lives are going to be wrecked. And that was exactly what happened because I was trying to figure out because I think in the first few minutes you see inmates standing outside of their outside of their cells. And I was like, why are they standing like butlers? What is this? What type of universe? Why is this being allowed? And I thought the um, the man who dropped the letter on the letter, the note on his desk telling him that he was free, I thought that was somehow his body man or like one of his people. And I was like, it's when it was the warden, I was like, oh, the warden is acting like he's the butler. This is weird and kind of cool. Where are we going with this? It kind of fizzled after that, but I it did enjoy um, the building up of that story. Mm-hmm. And the, I agree with you when he, when the warden dropped that and then he said, yes, sir. I was like, why is the warden saying yes, sir? And why is the warden being so polite to him? Uh, like almost in a fearful kind of way. But we saw the same thing on Supergirl when Lex Luthor gets into prison. He controls things from the inside out. And I thought that was a very effective introduction of him because the thing about Lex is he's he can definitely he doesn't usually use his brawn to manipulate people. He uses his brain. And that's definitely what we saw here. Of course, I do think this Lex Luthor is very well built and could use his brawn if he wanted to. But I think the whole, the dangerous thing about Lex is like you said, he plays the long game. He, the, the pieces are always working in his mind. The, the cogs are always turning. And that's what he did. He ultimately got what he wanted. The, when he had uh, the warden ring his own home and find out that his family was in danger, such a Lex Luthor thing to do. It's such an intimidating screen presence right from the off. And I, I do, I really like that. I did have a little giggle to myself because I remember when we first brought up Lex and the uh, walk on the highway, you said, Reed, oh, that'll be the last shot of season three and he'll never make it to Smallville. And I was like, well, you know, I we're lucky. That. Yeah, I was like, well, you know, we're, we're kind of lucky. We're kind of lucky uh, that wasn't because he almost didn't make it to Smallville because it took the whole episode. But I mean, he got there in the end. I kind of did see that the fact that he was showing up outside Clark Lois's house coming because... That was not the highway to Metropolis. That looked like the highway that Clark revealed himself to Lana. It on. looked like we... the highway that uh, Dean Winchester was in in the opening shot. <laughs> 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 or the ending shot of the Winchesters. I was like, this is giving me supernatural. Why? <laughs> <laughs> Vancouver, they all look the same. Um, but yeah, totally. I, I, I kind of saw the fact that he would show up there outside their house coming. The scene was worth the wait. The screaming on the porch might have been a choice, but I think it definitely got the idea that Lex was desperate at this point. He was kind of broken by his time inside, but I did love the fact that Lois wasn't afraid to stand up to him. And she was like, wait, I might've got it wrong, but you deserve to be in prison. So I feel like that's going to be the tug of war. He thinks he's an innocent man because he went down for the wrong crime, but everybody else knows he's guilty of something and he served the time he should have served. So I think that'll come into the finale, play into the finale really, really well. Um, I'm excited to see what kind where it kind of goes because we know he's going to be a big presence next season. So how's he going to factor into the finale and still manage to stick around after that? Some interesting questions there, but I thought it was a solid introduction to to him, even if some of the rest of the episode let it down. Can I ask a question about the prison that holds zero importance? Mm-hmm. Go far. It was it was called Strikers, right? Yeah. Is that like a thing in the Superman universe? I believe it is a prison in the comics. I'm cutting this if I'm wrong. I believe it is a prison in the comics. Um, someone's mentioned Strikers Island and something I've watched before, but I can't remember what it is. Is that a play on Rikers? It might be. You might be right. Because um, it was giving me like Riverdale when <laughs> when Veronica calls it like the 
Glamberger egg or whatever. Yeah. And talk about <laughs> Bailey's Comet. And it was like, it kind of like, I was like, whoa, they don't really do this kind of thing in this show. It was kind of a weird um, moment of like comic camp. And I was like, oh. It, it took me aback and it kind of made me giggle. Um, okay, continue. I yeah, no, I'm pretty <laughs> sure. I'm pretty sure that's what it was. Sometimes you will see little things like that, like the 60s Batman, instead of going to London, they went to Londinium. And instead of getting help from Scotland Yard, they got help from Ireland Yard. Classic little 60s nods to the comics. I guess that's what it is, but I am pretty sure Strikers was not a creation of Superman at Lois. It was all, already existed in the comics before that. I feel like the show doesn't usually do stuff like that because it feels so, at least to me, it feels so like centered in like reality. Mm -hmm. It's not really like comic-y. Yeah. Um, at least to me. I'm just going to, I'm going to keep reiterating at least to me. In my you're not opinion. wrong. No, you're not wrong. This is the most yeah. realistic version of Superman we ever had. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, I'm validated. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one thing I do want to touch on with with uh, Lex, which I think is actually a through line that's throughout this season, potentially in the entirety of Superman and Lois, is the importance of parenthood. Because his mm -hmm. his large grievance is that he missed his daughter's coming of age. His yeah. 20 years in prison. She's a grown person at this point. And I remember kept thinking, I was like, we've been dealing a lot with parents in this, in this show and how they feel about raising their kids and how hard it is to be a parent and trying to navigate that road. I assume since they showed us a picture of her and he wasn't just screaming on the porch just cause that we will see an adult version of her, if not in the finale, then in season four. Mm -hmm. um, and so that'll be interesting. Um, I can't help but think about the snap in Marvel, like, and how that changed parent uh, child relationships because of the five-year gap and so I always find that fascinating when you know you're you're dealing with a parent who lost time and what that looks like and how the child um the adult child at this point adjusts to having them back I think he said that she won't speak to him mm -hmm. correct uh, and this is it was he had a murder charge correct uh, so yes I do wonder if like we will see her getting like him getting to be a father again because he was innocent, which is interesting to me because I'm like, are you mad that it was the it was a murder charge and you have you personally haven't gone as far as far as murder, even though you've had people killed? Or are you mad because you were innocent of the crime period? Like I don't I just wanted like, I know it took 20 years of the life of his life. I'm also wondering if he would have dealt better with it if he had contact with his daughter. Mm -hmm. And I, I thought that as well. It's the same kind of thing with Bruno, who was a completely one-dimensional villain in the comics. Lex is obviously far more interesting in the comics, but he's like a mastermind who's out to serve his own needs. He wants to be considered the man of tomorrow. He doesn't like that Superman gets all this attention. Yet here we have a man angry at the fact that he missed out on his daughter's life and that she's made an assumption about him that wasn't true. Even though, let's be honest, the assumption was true. We know Lex has had people killed. We know he's a bad person. He just happened to get the wrong thing pinned on him. And it did, it, the whole, that whole, this whole season's raised an interesting question because Lois and Clark are paragons of integrity. They knew it was probably, Lex was where he deserved to be, but they got him released because they caught him for the wrong thing. Whereas a lot of other people would probably keep him locked up because it would be right to keep him off the streets. So I feel like that's going to weigh on them as well. The fact that his daughter won't talk to him now might weigh on them as well because uh, he was accused of something he didn't do. It's definitely going a long way in making this like one-liner manipulative kind of spewing villain a lot more well-rounded. And I feel like we will see that more. I remember saying last week when we talked about the cast cuts, 
okay, we have the four counts, but Lex isn't going to be involved in the family dynamic. What's Lex going to do for 10 episodes? Well, now we have a potential storyline for Lex. We probably won't see the daughter next week because next week it'll be all about getting revenge and the finale and whatever Bizarro's up to. And that'll be all about that. But I feel like when we come back, time will have passed, we'll have settled down, and we will see maybe Lex trying to reconnect with his daughter, which again, just like it did with Bruno, would hopefully add a lot more depth to him. How old would this daughter be? Um, Did he say she was 14 when he was imprisoned, which 20 years ago, which, which is actually 34 now, I think? Hmm. I'm not going to lie to you. I've been dreamcasting this whole time you guys have been talking. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Give us ideas. Yeah. Well, I don't want to like be confined to age, but I was like, how funny and like full circle would it be if it was like Kristen uh, Kroik Kruk? Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, that yeah. would be awesome. That <laughs> like, would be so great. But I'm like, I don't know what the budget is for any guest roles. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I'm like, can they afford a former Miss Lana Lang? I don't know, but that'd be fun. That's all I got right now. Yeah, that would be amazing. Um, and the Superman <laughs> mythology is known for casting people. Like we, Erica yeah. Durant, who played Lois on Smallville, of course, showed up as as Kara's second mom on Supergirl. Helen Slater, who played Supergirl in the movie, played Kara's adoptive mom on Supergirl. So the Superman mythology knows how to cast like legacy actors and bring them in. So I think that would be really cool. I do feel or like even we um, who played Supergirl in Smallville. Oh, La- one. Laura Vandervoort. Yes. Um, there's another one. Yes, like, that's who, a good one. <laughs> Smallville that we can put in here in, in season four. <laughs> you know, I take any of that. But I, I, again, if it's a one episode role, they'll probably be able to get them recurring. Who knows? Um, I hate that we even have to have this conversation. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they pulled a twist and it ended up being someone like Leslie Lar, remember, who is uh, Morgan Edge's right-hand woman um, because she mm. was a redhead and, of course, Lex's child would have to be a redhead. Um, oh, oh. So okay. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they did that. But then she I was... Know, a, I didn't know we had hair color. Um, I think the daughter had a, a red hair on the photo and Lex did. is naturally red, um, naturally she a redhead. Her, she dyed her hair to save herself <laughs> from her family. <laughs> to free herself from that life. <laughs> I love that we've just storyline season four here and suddenly all a lot more excited about it. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I, I, like I said, I just think that's far more interesting. We definitely have a Lex that's physically dangerous and mentally dangerous, but let, let's humanize him a little bit. I think that's all. Read the, the Lex you're familiar with is the most human Lex we've ever had. The one on Smallville is by far the most human version of the character. Um, and don't get me wrong, I love a campy Lex who likes to shoot missiles at space and whatever for no reason whatsoever and have the time of his life doing it. But the show likes to give people storylines, likes to give people depth, and likes to give them something outside of shooting missiles and using kryptonite. So hopefully we'll see that. Um, yeah, and I, talking about it, I'm actually even more excited than I was. The episode wasn't perfect, but it was a solid introduction to the character and I can't wait to see where he goes with it. I'm intrigued, though, by the Vendetta, Vendetta storyline. Um, because had, if this was anybody else, if it was like Lois Lena got it wrong, the like horribly wrong, someone lost their, um, you know, lost a significant portion of their life and time with the people that they love, his demand that she retire would have weight. It would carry water. <laughs> like people would be like, she didn't rush anything. It's not her fault. Like how was she supposed to know that there was a meta out there that could change their voice and, and pretend that they were, Lex Luthor in order to have her be able to build a story that would put him behind jail. Like that's, that's like a very like intricate, complicated, complex type of thing to have to navigate. But I did really enjoy, besides the screen, I did really enjoy the 
porch scene because Lois does take responsibility for something that was basically out of her control, but she did realize that, you know, he did lose time. And she says, I'm sorry. Like she apologizes, I think twice, but that's all he's getting out of her because she's also like, you are a bad, bad man. I'm not dropping my career because I was wrong about this thing, even though it did take time from you. I think that is a interesting story point for everybody involved. Cause I think you're right, Michael, that there's going to be guilt there, not guilt over, you know, putting a bad man behind bars, but guilt over getting it wrong and how that can affect people and that he, that his daughter his daughter lost time with her father. Like I think that is something that could eat away at Clovis. But Lois is also gonna be like, I said what I said about the apology and now I'm done with it and don't threaten me. Mm-hmm. And Clark, I love Clark stood in front of her and of course um Lex doesn't care, but he's suddenly like, You need to leave now. Mm-hmm. Like, yes. Right. As Reed is always saying, like, Clark's a very solid dude. We don't know why they don't treat him like he's a solid man, but he is. And not that Lex was intimidated, but Lex did not step any closer. So I appreciated Mm -hmm. that too. I I noticed the same thing. I was going to say, wait, nobody takes Clark seriously, but suddenly Lex might be. Because at first he was like, shut your mouth when Clark stepped up. But then Clark stepped forward and roared and got like a little bit more serious. Such a stern look on his face. And Lex kind of had that moment where he was almost like looking through the glasses. Like, I've seen that kind of look before, obviously from Superman. Obviously, he didn't make the connection. But I mean, like... Fair play, of all the people to take Clark seriously, it was Lex Luthor of all people. Kyle, he'll rage into a war for no reason whatsoever, but Lex took him seriously. Um, But I love that scene because everybody was traditionally who they're supposed to be. Lex was angry as Lex likes to be. And we've seen Bitsy play multiple versions of Lois. She's been a loving wife, a determined reporter, a great mother. But here we got to see her be the traditional Lois Lane, where at first she took responsibility for her actions. But then she was like, do you know what? I've had enough of this. You deserve to be behind bars and walked forward. Icon. Love that moment. And Clark is protective as always. That, That was probably my favorite scene from the episode, because like we said, this episode could be infuriating at times, but that scene wasn't one of them. More to that point, can we keep talking about Clark? I think you know where I'm veering into here <laughs> with a certain teenager. Yes, yep. Clark was tried today. Well, not today, but in that episode. And it was like, did not deserve the energy that he got whatsoever at any point in the episode. Like, I thought I made myself clear when tri- Kyle tried it. Like, what? And now Jordan's putting his hands on his dad. What is happening? I don't know. Unacceptable. The instant regret in Jordan's face. And I'm like, yeah, maybe you should have thought about that four seconds ago. Yeah. Oh, the hurt on Clark's face, too. Like, the, uh, I just, I mean, I think he's just, he's snatching his arm away, but he does it by using his powers. And that was, like, so much. I was like, why would you bucket your father? First, he's like, first, that's Clark. He loves you. He adores you. He just wants you to, like, not get a big head. Second, he's Superman. What do you think you're doing? People forget this. And I'm like, <laughs> what we, what's not clicking? Um, I'm going to say something that I just thought of and remembered that I don't think anybody's going to like. So let's all just like go into that, go into this knowing that. Um, but I didn't like what Sam said after. And I know Sam has fans and shooters, but can we all just stay with me here? It's not that big of a deal. But he said, you need to rein him in. And I'm like, not the thing to say in the moment, not wrong, but it reminds me of something he said earlier in the season mm-hmm. in the episode when Lois was 
not she was trying to get out of her treatments and he said to clark like something to the fact that he was putting the responsibility on clark to get lois to do her treatments and i'm like i don't like this part of sam i don't like the way that they make it like yes jordan is clark's son yes he has some responsibility to parent him and make sure he doesn't do those things but clark can't control the people around him mm. even if he is superman i'm like it just bugs me when sam does that stuff because maybe i am just too protective of clark because i'm like can you just chill father-in-law <laughs> <laughs> it's very traditional and clark is not like a traditional father he's i feel like sam is very hands-on in the sense that it comes off really gruff it's uh which is why like i had actually a problem with clark's line about this is my house <laughs> like uh, if you want to live here you live by my rules is like, that feels out of character for clark to say but i'm also trying i was trying to like give reason for the line and i was like is it because he just feels completely out of control because jordan is not listening and he mm-hmm. i mean jordan's been so rude it was so rude um in that kitchen scene but i said like, that felt like something sam would say uh, and like Clark doesn't tend, Clark's usually like, I want to, you know, give them a chance to get through their feelings. Like I want to be respected, but like, I also want to work through and see their perspective, but also, you know, you need to bring it back. I think he's having such a hard time with Jordan though. Cause Jordan, a lot like most of the teens on the show, which kind of makes sense, but I think he's a very extreme version of it is it's his way or the highway. And he feels like his, his parents are treating him that way. And I was like, no, you have no idea what it's like to have the exposure that Clark does as Superman. He is mm-hmm. trying to save you, especially as someone like, they also know about his personality. Like it's great when you're getting the praise. The one thing the show doesn't often show is how much pushback there is about Superman. Like, cause I think they like to do the whole, um, truth and hope and, and being there for everybody and being a global superhero. But I wonder if we're going to start getting into that portion that they don't talk about on the show that much, which is that there are actual people that do not care for Superman and want to regulate him and feel like he should not be given as much leeway as he is. And I was like, Jordan, you've never had to handle that. And you're a teenager. Like he's a grown man navigating it. You are 16 years old. You know, like the American government, they decide to go like the only thing keeping them from doing that is that his his grandfather is in the DOD, the head of DOD. Mm-hmm. And you know who really likes to regulate Superman? Lex Luthor. And we have now have an evil Superman on the loose out there. So this is actually quite an interesting time for the storyline to come up. Could Lex go after Jordan when he knows there's another superhero out there? Jordan is completely reckless. We've known that since season one. It is getting way out of hand. I do agree, Reed, about uh, what Sam said, that uh, he seems to descend into that. He can be such a cuddly grandfather when he wants to be, but he seems to descend into that soldier-like mentality and that you need to get control of the situation. And he blames it all on Clark. And let's be honest, Sam has quite a good relationship with Jordan. Maybe he's the one who could get through to him. I just feel like, yes, yes, I understand why the attention was on Clark because he's the super person who can control the other super person. But he's struggling now and they're hitting him maybe sam's the right person to do that i don't know but yeah it was strange having to see clark push to that point because jordan kept pushing in that episode i don't really love how that all came up with the whole the jordan and sarah thing it, sarah came off as quite petty even though she had a point and whatever i feel like they're really struggling with the, the, their portray- the portrayal of those two characters and so when both of them are at other like loggerheads over something like this 
you're like, okay, but whose side am I on? And honestly, the answer is none at this point, um, <laughs> honestly. Um, and then they get Lana and Lois involved to make you choose a side. And you're like, well, I'm not choosing between the two of them. So it's just, it's really, I don't know where they're going with it. I see what, no, that's wrong. I do know where they're, where they're going with it. I don't know why it needed to go in this direction because it was a very frustrating episode. I mean, on the Jordan end, it worked like a dream because we were supposed to be frustrated with them. But like, yeah, it kind of escalated overnight. Like we think, of course, people knew he existed because that reporter, I mentioned to you guys the other day about how that reporter that Lois worked with in Metropolis might pop up more in season four. And there she was, Janet running the story about uh, Jordan. Um, but uh, so we know the attention's on Jordan, but like he made that situation a heck of a lot worse. The tornado scene, incredible. But then he landed and started posing with photos, people for photos. Not even Superman does that. We don't need to be at that. And like, it, it just feels like Jordan's learned nothing at this point. We're running out of time to make him learn the lesson before the end of the season. Will I, or will part of the fallout be what season four is all about? I was kind of scared that Sarah was going to like tweet out his secret because she said at the end of that scene with Lana, she was like, if he doesn't care about a secret, why should I? And she pulled up her phone. I was like, are you about to tweet it? <laughs> <laughs> but I forgot she's just a teenage girl. And when you're like... When you're a teenager, you just pull up your phone and you're like, I'm going to go on TikTok. I don't want to talk about this anymore. <laughs> I was scared too, because the energy that the energy in the lines that they had for her very much seemed like she was just going to say it. And she's like, fine, if you don't care, then I don't care. So the next time someone asks me about it, I'm just going to be like, it's Jordan. Lives down mm -hmm. the way in, that, in the farmhouse. Like, I, <laughs> like I just, she, she was giving a lot of that. I, I was there for her. Um, perspective in terms of the stress of lying, especially because her lie was terrible. Like it was just really was the worst lie to be like, I don't know, we ended up on the street. Yeah, no, yeah, no effort like... was made in that lie. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> like so, so I get like being stressed about that part of it. But the other side is just like you, they've had. She's had what a month, two months with it. Like imagine being the person who has to hold on to that for for life. I think that's probably the. Which is starting to understand like how much that could just ruin your relationships with people. And I do get that it would affect her life in the sense that if his name did get out, that, that she dated Jordan. So then everyone's going to be like, what did you know? How did you know? And she could be put in danger, which is not what she's talking about. Those are not her talking points. But if we were, I were to be fair and give her talking points, that's what I would be seeing what she's concerned about. Like, I don't want to be at the center of the storm with you, but I'm going to be dragged into the center of the storm with you if you're not careful. Because if people put two and two together, they're also going to know that I'm associated with you and that my family's associated with you. And then how are we going to navigate Smallville? Mm -hmm. And I think that's the problem with Sarah. She does have a point. She really does have a point. But because she's kind of clashed with everyone leading up to this moment, I did do a deep dive on the internet to see what the fans were thinking. And people find it very hard to relate to her, understand what she was feeling because of the way she came across as like, like you said, they were, she kind of gave the uh, uh, impression of, eh, you know what, I'm going to tell everybody. Um, and she's kind of had that before. It feels like the gravity of certain situations don't weigh on her. And that now that this one is, it just felt like she was acting the same. I don't know. I did. I had a tough time with how the show does such seamless writing that you kind of can't see the writer's work at hand. Completely felt like I saw it play out and knew exactly how it was going to go this week. And I thought that kind of let it down. But that scene with Lana and Sarah, I was like so disconnected to it because Lana was asking, she like, she seemed more like surprised in 
I don't want to say outraged, whatever that emotion was she was feeling, Sarah wasn't matching it. It just felt like they were on two different, which is like understandable. But I was like, what's, it feels like they're not communicating the same situation. There was a disconnect for me in that moment. I'm like, I don't know who do I, who am I, what, what I had nothing to grasp in that scene besides like, oh, was she tweeting it? That was all I really got Mm -hmm. from it. I think it was like paradoxical because I feel like um, Sarah was giving somehow both anger and nonchalance and mm-hmm. like Lana was like, wait, what? He's doing what? And so we just go and talk to his parents, which again, the anger over it, even like, why did you say something to Lois and Clark? Like, Because their son is out here about to expose the secret. What is she supposed to do? Just sit on it? Like he's running around town, like not being careful. Uh, I did love in the tornado, like Clark is just yelling at him. He's like, I don't need your help. What? (laughs) (laughs) He just let his flu all and left him there. (laughs) (laughs) Like, cause I just, it did, it's so transparent. And I did love Sarah's takedown of uh, Jordan, you know, when he was talking about like, I was just saying that it uh, it was a good job because they they were picking on Jordan, picking on Junior. She's like, you don't like Junior. Mm-hmm. That was not about defending Junior. It was about you getting recognition in some way. And he's like, why can't I just have recognition? It's like, because you can't. It's like, mm-hmm. I know, you know, it's rude to be like the wrong brother got powers, but I feel like a lot of the internet and potentially even Clark in this episode was like, I think one of my children should have gotten powers over the other because this is mm-hmm. just a mess. Because John spends the whole episode just wanting to be able to help people and be a part of a community for his own, in his own way and not having Clark's legacy like weighing on him. And can we get into Kyle real quick? Because Kyle, once again, I'm not even stressed. I'm just angry. Like I'm just, he just angers me so much. Uh, he angered me in the episode before. He's angering me now. I, I mainly because how dare he tell a child that they can't talk to their parent about what's going on at work? What is he's 16 years old? He's volunteered yeah, here. Nasty behavior. It mm-hmm. is. Like, and that was like, did he outright and say it? No, but it was very much heavily implied. And I hated that conversation because he's he made it seem like it was wrong and that like in how like firehouse conversations should stay in the firehouse. Like, first of all, it wasn't a conversation, it was an entire switch up of behavior. Second of all, you're a grown person, and I know you'd fly off the handle if anyone told Sarah or your daughter, whose name is escaping me, would uh, that they can't talk to you. <laughs> Wait, what is the baby's name? Sophie, isn't it? Yeah, there we go. Okay, there we go. If someone Justice Sarah, for Sophie. Sophie still, don't forget it. Uh, no, you know what? Did anyone ask where that baby was during the, the tornado? Nope. Nope. No one cared. Lana was working. Kyle was at the firehouse. Sarah was at the cafe. No one worried about Sofa. Sarah does not care about her sister. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. It's true, but and so sad. But like that just Kyle did switch up. And Kyle's anger, it's funny that he was like, you know, we need to handle our anger one-on-one. Like if you're bothered by something that's happening in the firehouse, you need to come directly to me so we can hash it out. I was like, the hypocrisy. You're actually bothered that Clark came to you to tell you about your behavior politely and ask you to treat his son like a per- like a normal person and not like Superman's son. And that he didn't come to ask you for help. But you're not addressing that with Clark. You're addressing that with his son. Mm-hmm. I, Kyle really frustrated me in this episode because that first scene when he stood up for Jonathan, I was like, yes, Kyle, absolutely. Tell that other rude man how it is. That's great. Perfect. 
but then you find out he was doing it for the wrong reasons and that if uh, he hadn't found out Clark was Superman, he still would have been that arrogant boss who made Jonathan have to fight for that T-shirt with his name on it. And the only reason he treated him differently was that his dad was Superman. Didn't like that. And then he pivoted in the completely opposite direction. It was like, oh, you can talk to me about anything. I think the whole point was that it was supposed to be, you can come to me man to man and I'll see you for who you are, not a Superman son. Did not come off like that in the slightest. Like you said, it came off as though he was telling them that if you have a problem, take it up with me. But not in so many words. That's definitely a Kyle thing to do and a very regressive Kyle thing to do because I thought he'd move past that kind of like, I'm the big man kind of version of himself. Apparently not. We're running out of time because we don't know how much we'll save him next season. But like, yeah, he was only, again, he was only in like two major scenes in the episode and incredibly infuriating in both of them. Mm-hmm. They both were terrible. I To your point about the man who was like getting angry, I was like, we, there is a, a learning thing here that John should pay attention to orders mm-hmm. and make sure he checks the bags, but aggressively telling him that he needs to go back and get your orders. Can't mm-hmm. we just both go to the thing together or tell him, could, you know, you messed up my order. Can I get my burger? Cause everyone's eating, but I don't have food. Mm-hmm. Like, and, exactly. and, and John did want to go back and get it. Um, even with him being like being spoken to that way, he did want to go like, Oh, I messed that up. Let me just go back. And Kyle was like, no, he'll be fine. And I was like, well, he doesn't have his food. <laughs> He doesn't have lunch. He's being really rude, but he doesn't have his order. I, I just, I don't, I know Jonathan said later in the episode, I think to Jordan, that he just wants to belong and he just wants to be able to fit in there and, and hang out with these guys. And I was like, they haven't said a kind thing yet to you. We mm-hmm. haven't had any bonding moments. I'd find another fire station. I would just quit if I was him. It's not worth it. It's not. I just can we find other ways to like volunteer? Is there a local shelter? Is there like a uh, is there a small little version of a goodwill? Like can we go? We can help people in other ways. Volunteer at the hospital. Mm-hmm. Why has no one opened the talent yet? I'm waiting, Michael. You know I am. Like, I'm waiting for these teens to start a business, <laughs> like a like a self respecting CW show. Why are these teens running a business? <laughs> And talent, yeah, season four will start with Sarah. I've changed Vicky May's name to the talent and she'll oh, be running it. Gorgeous. I love it. There's <laughs> something to do besides what she's been doing. Yeah. She's gonna yeah. Be, it's gonna be like that's that, a purpose. Um, Kim Kardashian scene. Like, if you don't run a business, you don't know what it's like running a business. She's gonna be screaming this to her mom. I know that. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'll be like, I'm running the whole time. <laughs> Oh goodness! Oh, speaking, what was Lana talking about about shipping delays? Were we just being a mayor, or do you think this this is going to come back into the storyline? Yeah, this this is bothering me. They haven't given Lana any mayoral stuff to do, so the best we get is that she's stressed on the phone and hangs up right before she has a conversation with Sarah. Probably won't come back in again. I would like to see her doing something with the time since they had her. Actually, they reported pretty quickly after Superman and that man destroyed it in that fight a few weeks ago. But I, I just like to see. I fear we're running out of time with Lana. I want to spend more time with her being the mayor. I just, it's sad. I feel like this episode also gave a lot of people who were um, like, yes, to the cuts, so much vindication. I'm not team all seven people should go. I just want everyone to have stronger storylines. And if they can do that in recurring or guest roles, I'd really appreciate that. But it just, this episode, I felt like... To, like, did y'all care about anybody but Clark, Lois, and Lex? Because everybody else <laughs> was struggling. It's tiring. Yeah. It's, it's really been tiring this season with the up and down with everybody else. 
And that, like, th- and this was an episode that focused only on the ensemble cast, and yet we were still missing John Henry, Natalie, and Chrissy. I was going to Chrissy not so much, but John Henry I didn't and Natalie. Even notice she was yeah, gone. and this no shade. I did, they threw a line <laughs> in that she was sick. Um, um, it's not that I wouldn't miss Chrissy. The point is, I'm saying John Henry and Natalie are usually two of the characters that actually have their heads screwed on, and you like to see them do things because more often than not unless it involves each other they're quite logical characters so we did miss them and we were left with the illogical people and there was a lot of illogical thinking in that episode and I do agree I think as a character like Sarah and maybe Chrissy could benefit from guest roles or recurring roles because then they wouldn't have to find a way to shoehorn conflict for them in every single episode heck I think Jordan could benefit from a recurring role at this point but like you know what I mean I just feel like wait who'd you say Jordan, Jordan could benefit from a recurring okay. role at this point because, again, they wouldn't have to shoehorn conflict in for him every episode. Give him the one conflict and let it play out over his five episodes or however many he's a lot of. Um, but yeah, I was excited to spend time with the cast outside of Clark and Lois, and this episode left me want to spend more time with Clark and Lois. For sure. And we got another one of those like Lois openings where mm-hmm. we were going through the aftermath of the mastectomy and her saying, you know, when you change, um, she had a, a bodily change, you you have to step into it. She, she decided that she was going to move forward and she was going to be who she is and she was going to accept uh, who she is physically. And I guess, you know, the, the trauma of going through cancer treatment um, and but embrace who she is as well. And I just, I like that scene. Um, but then we completely, we just, it was done. I feel like that was perhaps the closure of the cancer storyline. Like we're done now it just mm. felt like, like they were like she it was, seemed final when she buttoned up that shirt she looked herself in the mirror had that final voiceover and we might be closing that chapter and that's of course they, they talk about reconstructive surgery because i know that was a talking point in one of the episodes but they might just do that with a throwaway line in season four mm-hmm. they didn't didn't Loa said relax my doctors have a positive outlook or something like that they've been mm-hmm. feeding in little lines like that to let us know that okay I think we're ready to move into the next chapter. Maybe she'll get an official, like kind of like all clear diagnosis at the end of the uh, season three, just so that, that we can know they've left that storyline in the past and they're ready to move on from it. But I agree, it's definitely taken a backseat recently. And I know it's nice to see them move on through their lives. But because, considering it was it was handling the storyline so well, I, d- I do hope that there is some kind of closure to it and we don't just move straight into Lex being the big villain like any other Superman story. Mm. You know what I really liked? I really like Lex's rock music motif. I enjoyed yes. that. Yes. Yes. I like that, that was so good. Every time. I, was like, yes. <laughs> I loved it over the opening. Like, I love what they've done with music this season because it wasn't every, over the the uh, title card. It wasn't the same mm-hmm. score. It's been mm-hmm. different depending on the vibe of the episode. But I really enjoyed it this episode. It was a good motif. It and it definitely paved the way for his arrival. Because he's he's there he's there to make some noise. <laughs> yeah, can not wait to see what he gets up to in the finale. Since we have Bizarro, I finally back. He's been here all season, and they have really only been showing us to, him to us like in the end episodes. I'm assuming he brought that man down here to be bait for Bizarro. Because he's like he's like, well, how are we supposed to get him out? It's like I believe he's using you to get Bizarro out. He's feeding him, but. I mean, rest in peace to yeah. that man, because that surely wasn't Lex screaming. Oh, no. What a terrible way to go, go. Um, yeah. Uh, I, everyone was excited when they saw Otis Graves, because Otis is one of Lex's right-hand men in the comics. But 
R.I.P. Otis. He did not last long at all. Um, I assume now Lex is going to try to manipulate Bizarro into doing something. I know there's supposed to be a big, huge storyline adapted in the season finale, and now it looks like Bizarro Superman will somehow be involved in it. They've really run with this, considering he was one of the primary villains of season two, and they brought him back, and then have like peppered it all the way out until the end of season three. It definitely it serves the overarching storyline well, but I do I wonder what he'll kind of role he'll play into it because that that final scene was that was something else. And now my man was out here eating rodents to say, yeah, life. and then people who <laughs> <laughs> like who really fallen from season two for him for a thing. Um, but I mean, yeah, I'm excited for the finale just to see what it is since they hyped it so much and mm-hmm. there's a cliffhanger. And I know we're glad we're getting a season four because I know Tyler was like, yeah, I'm happy that we got a season four because I have been sorry for y'all if we didn't. Mm-hmm. That means the finale better live up to expectations. Um, it sounds like it might be a cliffhanger. Can't wait to see what they do. Ready for it? I'm. I, I know the show tends to deliver in its finale, so can't wait for it. But moving to Horseshoe Bay, we are in the aftermath of Nace the movie. Uh, we had a wonderful opening scene. I say wonderful because I was like, yes, give us the angst. Nancy not picking up the phone at Icarus Hall getting to the bottom of the survey bucket, just truly going through it because her and Ace are not together because Ace decided. And then like hearing, I guess, I think she's screaming, right? And she just goes charging out of the I did not hear it. Yeah, I thought it was something with the ice cream or whatever she was eating. I was like, what, what are we doing? We're in the woods now? <laughs> yeah. Maybe it just wasn't in the screener that we had. And it was, I, did you guys watch the airing? No. No. Yeah, I didn't either. Maybe we heard it. They heard it more on TV than we heard it in the screener. <laughs> yeah, I thought she had an idea. I was like, oh, did we have a breakthrough? Did the bottom of the surveillance? Yeah. <laughs> I thought she know? was going to go to work out for the sludge in the water or something. I was completely yeah, independent. It all happened up so quickly with the with the man and the things hanging in the woods. Yeah. And the stick. <laughs> and then when She's the head... ready, though. Yeah, oh, absolutely. But when the heads dropped, I was like, oh. This is graphic, and then, then of course it was a movie set, and yeah, quite a quite a memorable in- intro for yeah. the episode. What well, happened all at once? I enjoyed it because I was like, "What are we doing? What's happening? <laughs> <laughs> Where do I look?" <laughs> and then Nancy, you know, being like, "Oh, this is awkward and embarrassing." Well, um, I thought someone's in danger. Clearly, it's not. What are you doing in my woods, though? <laughs> I, I do. It isn't true because they not. I wondered, can they not see Icarus Hall? Because he was like, "Oh, we have a permit," and I was like, "The Arbinger's asked." Even if they have a permit, wouldn't Nancy have had to been like, yeah, you can shoot on my property? But maybe mm-hmm. they're just like outside of her property. Who knows how much she owns? We have yeah. the deed of Icarus Hall. <laughs> <laughs> we did say we don't know how big the woods outside of it are. No. And and I feel like, but then also gives like, girl, how long had it been since you exited your house? Because I feel like, wouldn't we have heard trucks or seen people milling about? But apparently mm-hmm. not. But it does introduce reintroduce us to Lacey, who is now back from being a podcaster to a director on a horror movie, a horror movie called Love Long Hook. For her. You know, it, the glow up, <laughs> <laughs> like the career success. It was wonderful. And her, her, I loved her moment where she was like, you know, in the first movie, the black guy died in, died in like the first 10 minutes. And now my lead is a black woman and we are here. We're taking charge. I was like, give us the representation we deserve, Lacey. Yeah. Have her kick yes. long hooks, but 
<laughs> love that and I was really glad they brought that character back because I really enjoyed her episode in the first place so I'm glad I love when a final season pays little tributes to things that came before because we know we know a show like Nancy will do it well and yeah love seeing her back I forgot about her is that mean to say I I forgot about the podcast episode but I was pleasantly surprised when I saw her and I remembered because I I feel like the expectation for, oh, Nancy's old friend comes and she's filming a movie. I didn't think it was that recent of an old friend. I was like, oh, somebody who knew Nancy in high school. That was just my like prediction. But I was like so present, pleasantly surprised that it was somebody who's in the same like spooky universe as Nancy came back. And I was like, ooh, love this. Yeah, we I have we have the history it. off it as well. Yeah, <laughs> I did like that because I know when I read the synopsis, I was like, oh, are we getting Ace's love interest? Because it seemed like it would make sense for it to be an old friend of Nancy's. You planted that seed and I was still, it was still in my head when she made her arrival. I was like, oh, but then it was quickly like that. That's not even going to be a thing. Yeah. Because I was like, that <laughs> at least for now. You, mm-hmm. Could you imagine though the messiness? Lacey's in town shooting long cook. <laughs> <laughs> the layers. <laughs> and her and Ace connect because she has to do some things at the morgue. Like I can't. Um <laughs> Uh, but I thought, so how do we feel about the, like, the case of the week at the movie set where we're like, which first one thing about Nancy, love how Lacey was like, I need a Nancy Drew. And then Nancy was like, I'm a Nancy Drew. And she's like, oh, no, I meant I needed one, but I mean, I don't need to have one. Like, we, you don't have to be here. And and it's just like, I will be here because I need things to do. Mm-hmm. Nancy was like dodging those L's. She was like, no, I need a win. <laughs> <laughs> And I thought that was really effective because like she was down on herself. She needed to pick herself back up after feeling that feeling of, I don't even know if rejection is the right word from not being able to be with us just because the, the curse was still intact and he didn't want to put her in harm anymore. She needed that. She, she looked like she was post breakup and she needed that when, and of course then when, uh, uh, when they said they didn't need a Nancy Drew, it made her feel that kind of rejection again. So I'm glad she stuck to her guns and she got back out there and she dressed like Nancy Drew. She acted like Nancy Drew and she was the Nancy Drew that they needed in the end. Yes, Nancy. I also think she yeah. got into her regular clothes because Lacey was like, so that's a yeah. breakup outfit. Yeah. How are you doing? <laughs> She's like, I'm I not taking this. nice. <laughs> <laughs> Lacey, that was uncalled for. I didn't even notice what she was wearing. I thought she, she just had a coat on. What was she yeah. wearing? I think it was okay. sweatpants. I think it was like a green sweatpants situation. It is nighttime, situation. Lacey. <laughs> you were walking up by signs in the middle of the night. <laughs> But I, I thought the what I loved about this episode was the partnering of Ryan and Nancy. He was mm. such a dad this episode, and a young dad at that. You could tell. The second was, dad is what he said in his voicemail. Yeah, I had dad to rewind that like two. three times. Dad, did he say dad number two? Mm-hmm. I had to rewind it like three times to hear what he said. <laughs> it was so adorable. He's just like it was cute. He's like, I know you're feeling down, but do you want to like, let's investigate, let's do some investigation. And I appreciated that his whole thing was like, I'm gonna let you do what you do as far as like you and Ace, though, I feel like you can be able to text him if you don't want to, I will text him for you. But I, I really appreciated how much they were together this episode, especially like, you know, after Lacey just, um, she just accepts that Nancy's going to be around and Nancy figures out something and she just reaches back for a high five because <laughs> <Yeah>. she knows <laughs> Ryan's reacting behind her. I love that. It's such a cute little moment, but it spoke to how much they're bonded now. Mm-hmm. I love them too. I, there was one part that I did struggle with and correct me if I'm not remembering the culmination of the scene. 
and I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but she did kind of break down to Ryan later on and be like, what if I can't get over Ace? And he says, you will. Did he, did he did that was that like the gist of the conversation like he didn't continue right like there wasn't yeah i feel like he she he didn't know how to deal with that so he's like oh you will you you will and that was kind of yeah the that's kind of what i out. yeah i didn't really like that response because like i would have liked something a little bit more honest mm. like bring in something about how you feel about lucy or something because i was like telling her you will might be something you think she needs to hear in the moment but i think nancy's somebody who respects honesty a little bit more than someone is telling her what she needs to hear because i don't think even if she does get over ace i think a part of her would always love ace and i Mm -hmm. think that's something that is worth hearing yeah, I'm trying to remember. Did he bring up Lucy? What well, I, I think he did say something. Did he bring up? I have no idea. He did say something like, "I'm suggesting that he was older than I said, but I still remember what it was like to feel like that, or something." He did put them both on, like it kind of like I've been there. I know what it's like, and trust me, you will get over it someday. Which definitely added more of a personal touch to it. But I do agree. Kind of, kind of then pivoted and was like, "You know what will help." movie night and moved on which i mean definitely plays into the idea that he's the fun dad of the two because carson's definitely helped her with a lot more serious stuff but i did like that they had a little moment even if it was brief yeah i will say though i i enjoy everyone giving nancy support but every time we're having a, a supportive conversation it's it seems to be people who have lost somebody like actual to death the person who was bare has passed away they've been laid to rest and it just feels weird because Ace is very much alive. <laughs> like, like so, like, you have her dad talking to her about her mom and, you know, him having to live without the person he loves. Ryan, whatever sentence he had about Lucy, Lucy also passed away. And then you had uh, Lacey talking about her grandmother, who was also passed away. Like, Ace is alive, though. It's not exactly that equivalent. I know we're grieving like he's gone, but she could text him. Everybody else cannot do that. And so there's a, I'm like, will we get a moment where someone is like, girl, I get it, but he's alive and you could text him if you wanted to. Like you could actually have a relationship with him. She needs to sit down with George. Yeah. Yes. She tattled like it is. Because <laughs> <laughs> I feel like someone should say it. Like I do, I get it. She's grieving the potential of this relationship. But at the same time, everybody who's giving you advice has lost someone that you actually cannot communicate with anymore. I think George Mm -hmm. would give her the tough love response that she needs. Nick would give her the gentle love response in the same way, but like gentler. So Mm -hmm. I think those two she needs to turn to at some point. Please. (laughs) It it needs needs to happen. Um, But at least she does have people to turn to. Ace had best kind of this episode, but for the most part, he was isolated. Because uh, he was working at the morgue, he did participate in the the case. He was doing some behind the scenes things with, and which he did at the kind of his own heart, right? No one asked him. Uh, mm-hmm. I think George asked Ace to hack Bree's oh. phone. Um, See, they throw so much stuff in dialogue that I forget it after the scene. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there was also did did they ask him to figure out what was with up with Bree? That might have been out of the kind of his. He might have taken time out of his looking at cadavers. Um, mm-hmm. and corpses to figure out what was going on at the house. I just can't, I can't remember. The plot was plotting, but I was not following some of the in the blanks in the comments for us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Um, and then he did. I did like the fact he was able to have that conversation with Bass, and his phone was urged about it, carrying on work. I mean, they did have some nice serious moments. I, I love their friendship so much, but um, it did it did kind of take me out when it quickly descended into Bass audition to showing him her audition for the movie. You're not the pizza guy, and she was like so bad at it. And then she did the Australian accent. I mate, you're not the pizza guy. I was like, <laughs> really? He was so sweet though. I, I, I he just he didn't know what to say to the Australian one. She's like, oh, maybe not. Moving on. Um. But then, of course, Bass was brilliant in the end, and she had to put an extra little dash of realism in that performance when she got hurt by the hook. Oh, I but like that was coming. Again. So did I. So did I. Um, Not and, dragging that. I was. No, just, no, no, no. Oh, yeah, oh, she was in trouble. I know, <laughs> know they're going to turn real. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, that was. I always say sometimes I hate that they play Bass for laughs. Perfect example of them doing it right. That's the kind of humor I like to see from Bass. And she got to balance too, because, you know, we had those humorous moments, but when we were on set and they were dividing up tasks and uh, they had to go interview everybody, Bess was like, most people I talked to seem to find, but there was this guy. And so they, they went to go talk to him uh, about the previous director on Long Hook and his behavior on set, which is true to life for some sets. Unfortunately, there are some directors who should not be working right now, uh, but I did. It is was interesting to see Bree's part in this from back in like 20 years, 30 years ago. How long ago was it? It was a while ago. 30. It was 30 years ago when like just to see, you know, how intense that set was and to the point where she let this man die in the bathtub when it was just supposed to be a prank because she hated him so much. I am intrigued by why exactly People's uh, memories of terrible things they've done have been erased and replaced with good memories, and that's and they then they get then they get everything back once they drink the sludge in the water. As first of all, who erased the memories and why? Second of all, why does the sludge care to remind them of what mm-hmm. they actually did? I feel like the so we learned that there's a, a thing called the black room. We don't know what that is. So I assume that's what was responsible for taking the memories from people and replacing them with happy ones. But do, does that come at a cost? We don't know. But I do feel like that whatever this sludge is, whatever this danger is, this is why I find it so interesting. It might be the most interesting uh, kind of mystery they've tackled so far, is that it seems like it's unearthing the town's deeply buried secrets. Everyone's talking about how the supernatural is kind of coming into the conversation more often because everyone kind of just like nod, nod and winked, winked at the fact that it was they were just superstitious ceremonies, whereas now everyone's starting to accept that the supernatural is all around us. The police chief, who I'm sure we'll drag in a few moments, uh, is terrified of the supernatural, um, even though she's accepted that it exists. Everyone's secrets are starting to come out. I don't know what the sludge is, but it sounds like it's trying to pull the dark history of Horseshoe Bay out into the light. And obviously it'll be up to the Drew crew to either help it do that or stop it from doing it before someone gets hurt. And the fact we're four episodes in and don't know much about it, that's a good mystery to me. Um, the pacing's been very well on that front, and I can't wait to see where it goes next. Yeah, I don't know. The water's stressing me out because anytime somebody's drinking anything, I'm like, where did you get... The-? Like, when they handed Lacey a cup of coffee at the claw after she survived her stabbing, what happened? She ran into a window. She was mm-hmm. pushed into a window. Regardless. When they handed her that cup of coffee, I was like, what did you make that coffee with? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm scared about anybody drinking water in this town. <laughs> Is it just the water at the claw? Is it all water? I don't know. I was, I'm stressed about the water. It's none of the water in, in Horseshoe Bay is safe at this point. Like, it's terrifying. George, 
it very terrifying. George and Nick have been buying water bottles, which I'm not like, sure. What if you're taking a shower that. and you open your mouth and you ingest? I'm I'm scared. I'm not even there, and it's fictional. <laughs> <laughs> Real questions, though. <laughs> it is because like they they had that big the um the assistant director was talking about how you know they had this big jug of, of tap water because the I forget this the other assistants um are really about being green and they were just chugging that. They were just drinking. I think he's, did he say they got, he told them to stop drinking once he realized that, you know, we were getting black veins mm-hmm. on our neck and something was weird. I, I, it's also terrifying because Lacey had nothing to do with what was happening on the original Long Cook. Might not have even been alive. Um, and she is still having to take on what happened with that director because her people had been affected by the sludge and were ready to kill her in Icarus Hall, which by the way, I don't understand how Nancy's living there by herself because that place is spooky. It's not it's a corner so in it. scary. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, why did we not renovate? Let's throw our grief into DIYs. Log into Pinterest, Nancy. <laughs> Get some wallpaper up. Paint a wall. <laughs> did we did we clean when we moved in? I don't know. It's really spooky still to me. And take I... take the big dungeon doors down. We don't need those. <laughs> right. Install some cameras. Like, how was Carson not done that? (laughs) Because the other thing, this is the same hall, right, where people were being got slaughtered. Yeah. And was that season two when they went with Tom's episode? Yeah. And like Nancy, were cool because you you actually literally do have a dungeon in the basement. Like that's like right there, and there's there was blood there. (laughs) If we had, if we had a bigger time, John, (laughs) time, but we could have returned to Nancy Nicholas Hall. With full renovation, new drapes, some colorful rugs, <laughs> <laughs> something to brighten the place up. All we've all we've like, got how is Best not jumped in there and been like, "We're we're flipping this place." Mm-hmm. Why hasn't Best moved in? Where is Best living? Do we know? No. I probably at the historical society because isn't it an actual house? I guess that makes sense. I don't know, but I, feel I wouldn't like want to stay there either. Nancy needs no. a roommate. She does. Best could be the roommate. Because, uh, you know what? They're both staying at places with magical objects, and they both seem to be fine about it. Let's, you know, uh, strengthen numbers. <laughs> <laughs> Buddy system. Yeah. I mean, they're going to need it, too, with the sheriff, to go back to the sheriff. Because uh, mm-hmm. she's very intense about, like, you know, we're not doing this here. It's like, you know, avoiding the fact that there's supernatural things here is not going to make the supernatural things go away. They're here I to love stay. that scene for Bess, where she stood her ground. Yes, she's very much like, you need to know that knowledge is power. What do you mean you don't want to do things? She's like, well, I'm not going to let it affect the town. It's like, it's already affecting the town. Did we not get the binder? You know, the big Horseshoe Bay Bible letting you know all the weird things that happened in town? You arriving doesn't change the fact that ghosts walk around here daily. Mm-hmm. This is actually, she's clearly very by the book and wants to like fight fire with water. And that's not how it works in Horseshoe Bay. If there's something supernatural happening, you need to stop it with a supernatural cure. Um, and Bess is obviously the key to that. I did say I wanted to see more of her getting to be a witch. And I think we will get to see that as the season progresses, which is good. Could she get into trouble with the law for practicing magic when it's the only way to stop dangerous things from happening? That's a good hook. I can't wait to see that. Um, and the stomach pump broke. Yeah, right. yeah, right. We were laughing the other day about how it was always their answer, but like they don't have it anymore. But that gets us. We're gonna get Tristan. I feel like next episode because they mm-hmm. need they need him to. They mentioned him. They did, and I, I have to bring the vibe down for the rest of the, <laughs> the crew out there. 
<laughs> but they know that we're pharmacists. <laughs> like, it is going to be interesting, though, to see, you know, how he's going to interact with everybody. If he is in the next episode, I don't see why he wouldn't be, because this seemed like the Nancy's going to choose to move on and move forward episode. So that feels like Tristan's going to be knocking at, well, she's going to be knocking mm-hmm. at Tristan's door. They'd be like, I broke the stomach pump, but <laughs> I also need something else. <laughs> like, I think they're going to be cute as an interim situation. Yeah. I think she, Nancy needs that mm-hmm. just to get her mind off of everything. Um, isn't that one of Dua Lipa's rules? Yes. And her new rules. Just <laughs> But uh, to go back to the way you quote, you saw the season read, and um, the the first quarter was obviously all about the uh, storyline. I agree. I feel like these next three episodes, as for Nancy, would be the grief, the distraction, and then the acceptance, and then we'll move into the next chapter, which will be crossing paths with this again. If the distraction is our next chapter, I do think feel like that'll be Tristan and Nancy will end up on a very like maybe Nancy and S like mission together, and then feelings will be felt conversations will be had and then we'll see where that takes them and i agree we're early in the season we know how it's going to end let's have a little fun while we're here because watching nancy and ace be miserable isn't fun we don't want that and so if we have to distract them for a little while distract them but we know they'll find their way back to each other at the end so enjoy tristan while he's here um enjoy whatever it is nancy and him get up to whatever mysteries they're on however the glasses factor into it i'm all for it because just we don't have many episodes left live in the moment I know. Just enjoy it. I, and it's really, I think that relationship's going to be enjoyable. They're cute. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think any, like, obviously there are going to be people who would prefer to see Ace and Nancy grow, which I get that because it is the final season. Um, but I feel like we should just accept that Tristan is here. Um, but don't take pleasure in his near-death experience because he is going to have that, you're not going to die in the woods moment, <laughs> which I, I'm so intrigued to find out what it is that he's suffering from in these woods whenever we get to it. Mm-hmm. You know, and perhaps this relationship or whatever it becomes with Tristan will circle back to the conversation with Ryan that I have a slight issue with um, where maybe she's dating Tristan and she realizes, oh, I'm not going to get over Ace. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's where that comes in. Mm-hmm. Maybe. But there is something that I want to talk about off thought that I just had a thought about. That'll stay between the three of us. Love that. <laughs> Can't wait. <laughs> I, I think so. What else with this? Um, we George did cover the mystery. Yes, thank you. The Fanson. Um, the <sighs> Fanson was, it got better towards the end, but that arguing in the beginning, um, because they, they literally, their lives are so intertwined that they're oh they have friction now because he's like George I don't want to do this and she's like you change it's like he hasn't it's been one episode he has not changed he just doesn't want you tracking a woman's phone <laughs> yeah and I, I struggle with them something serious this was back to the old we didn't enjoy watching them in this back half of the season three because they were always arguing about silly things and it was like they weren't addressing the main problems this felt exactly the same as that i love seeing them on screen purred together the second half of this episode was a delight but the first half was not um we were i feel like nick was downplaying how smart and intuitive he is just to force the storyline because i do think he would have 
yes, he has morals. He doesn't like hacking people's phones. But if he was worried about someone, he absolutely would have suggested S do that. Whereas all of a sudden he was like, you asked S to do what? That's a crime. That's something you would never do. And I'm like, actually it is. You've done it all the time. Um, and then George, we know George can get angry and they've played on that for laughs or whatever. And they kind of really, really doubled down on that this time. So they had, I feel like they had them both. Like they have like caricatures of themselves just to force the conflict so they could have that conversation and then realize actually we like spending time together. And I'm like, could we, if they wanted space, could we not just have separated them for a few episodes instead of having them on screen arguing again? Because that was the whole p- problem with them in the first place. Mm. Remind me, where did they land? Like, They're best the friends now. Oh. She was like, you're my best friend. And he was like, yeah. And I was like, okay. And he was like, we don't need space anymore. <laughs> I just, <laughs> I actually felt like George could have been on her own for this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, because she really was the driving force of their part of figuring out what happened. I feel like Nick kind of just got dragged along and then um, he became more of an important figure in it once he got to Brie and we started having a conversation with her and it just seemed to be a, a way to fuel George once again telling him he needs to lead the council. Yeah. And I'm not, I, I feel like if he's not on board about that though, I think we should stop pushing it. Because he doesn't seem like he's all the like, I think he doesn't mind having a seat at the table, but I just feel like he doesn't want to lead right now, which is fine. He's like, what, 22? <laughs> like, yeah. He doesn't have to lead the entire Horse <laughs> Shoe Bay Council. I think having a seat is fine if that's all he wants. If it, yeah, I think we need, if that's going to be the, the game plan, I think we need at least one more episode where he comes to that decision himself. Mm-hmm. or something happens or he realizes like oh this is something that they need and i want and that will better my life trajectory i just don't want him to yeah like you said i don't want him to be pushed into it because of convenience and because of george's convictions <laughs> mm-hmm. especially because she was the one she's what did she had a line about how she said she was the one who wanted to, to do something about the town um but he has the bigger presence it's like well girl you could sit on the council then like, do you have to run or something? Like, or I don't know what she has to do here. I mean, that obviously in other, like in real life, you have to run for a council seat. But apparently Nick can just show up here. In this moment, I'm realizing, like, the growth of these five characters and, like, how much they've, like, fanned out. Like, obviously Nancy's still doing her investigative thing. Nick is primed to be a figurehead in this government. We got Bess in the historical society. George knows the law now and aces in the morgue they've got their feet planted in all corners of where they need them in this town isn't that that's incredible from where mm-hmm. they were in season one <laughs> especially to run a diner together <laughs> and it all it all took place in less than a year growth michael you know we can't talk about time <laughs> i mean there really is though because like uh the claw might not be the place to be during like the morning or lunch hours so they do have some clientele but nighttime they are booked and they are busy <laughs> and i still don't know how, like because because uh, um george just ran out of the restaurant and she's like we have to figure out what's happening with brie and nick is like closing folders i think is what he was doing and i was like so we can let the staff know that both bosses are out of the building or are they on their own we stick them home by ourselves <laughs> I'd, I'd wonder if they will address that because like both of them now have full time commitments elsewhere. And yet when they agreed that they'd run it together, they agreed that that would be a full time commitment. So how are they out here juggling all of this at once? Like, I want the time they have. How, how do they manage that? 
Yeah, perhaps they hired a new manager off screen and it's just not important to the plot. Yeah, who knows? I see that. I would want to see her though. Just yeah. Just like Stick I want to see the bagel shop. Yeah, yeah. You know, we need to see the manager at the claw and we need to see the bagel shop before the <laughs> series finale. <laughs> I hope so. I mean, I'm really manifesting that. I can't take it to the mall because everything's finished and that yeah. end and, <laughs> and it just didn't be aired. So is there anything to take to the mall before we end the episode? I can't think of anything. No. Okay, no. so well, I guess mall take PTO. We have nothing for you. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a stressful week. You've earned a week off. I mean the mall's been slacking anyway, so <laughs> Oh, but no, I well, we're on your side. I don't want any bad news about anything. <laughs> <laughs> we just just saying that lovingly because he yeah. wants you to to flourish Please. in the job. Facts are facts. Stop it. It's like, I said what I said. No, <laughs> I mean, oh, we could ask the mole. We won't get into the nitty gritty, but like, I'm still, I've been thinking about this idea since we talked about it. I would like for the mole to somehow align Kennedy McMahon, Bithy Tullock, and Carrie Russell's schedules for them to be in a movie together. Mm. I'm not going to elaborate for the audience, but the three of us know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> and our vision is so crystal clear and brilliant that I feel like everybody listening to this podcast would be like, we need that. So, Mole, even if we're not involved, I think the three of them need to be in something together. There's the Mole's orders. Yeah, make <laughs> it happen. Make it happen. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, that's it for this week's episode. Where the CW Spiral, I'm Sabrina. I'm Michael. Can I read? Bye, y'all.